This is Inside the Valley, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Conference, celebrating 25 years of women's athletics. Ahead of NBC Basketball Media Day, the NBC Hoops tip-off, pleased to chat with the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference, Doug Elgin. Mr. Commissioner, how are you doing today? Doing great, Derek. Always good to be with you. Well, I appreciate you taking the time as we are getting set for uh, another basketball season going to be a little bit different this year. We'll get into that. Uh, of course, the membership change first and foremost. Uh, but a lot of things to talk about um, and sort of want to do a little State of the Valley with you, um, as you typically do with uh, Media Media Day. But uh, a number of things on the list of topics that I want to touch on. But let's start first uh, with Valparaiso, new member joining the league as of July 1st. Um, they've been competitive in our fall sports thus far, but you've made a number of trips uh, to their campus for an orientation and met with a number of different groups there. Um, just want to get your thoughts, your impressions of uh, their administration, their coaches, how they've sort of uh, acclimated to the Valley thus far. Well, backing up just a little bit, it's never positive when you lose a, a strong member, but the Valley has shown over its long history that it's resilient when there's a membership change. Uh, the addition of Valparaiso I thought was very strategic. And when we thought about what type of institution we would look for and pursue uh, at the loss of, the, of Wichita State, we, we thought we, we wanted to get a, a school that was within our footprint, reasonably within our footprint geographically, and they, the boxes checked with that. Valparaiso was about an hour west of, east of uh, Midway Airport in Chicago. We wanted a, a strong athletic and academic brand, and I think they have a, both. They have that on a national basis. Uh, we wanted a a league uh, a new member that would be focused on men's basketball. We are men's basketball league. If if that's healthy in our league, it helps all the other sports, and that's a that's a championship that has a uh, that's a, an institution with a championship pedigree. If you, if you look at Valpo, five out of the last six years they've won the Horizon League regular season title. They've been to two NCAA tournaments in that span. They went to the championship game of the NIT at Madison Square Garden two years ago. And I think they've proven over time that they can recruit good kids, keep them there, and can compete. And I, I would think that they will be competitive in our league. Last year with Alec Peters, the, the great senior that, that uh, graduated, stayed at Valpo, and was drafted in second round or third round by the NBA, uh, he, he was part of a team that went to Missouri State and, and beat uh, the Bears, a very good Bears team. Uh, in Springfield. So I, I think they're going to be a great addition. Uh, we like their leadership. Mark Heckler, their president, has been there a long time. Mark LaBarbera as well, both experienced administrators. And uh, I think for the most part, they've, they've been part of our uh, joint committee meeting to date. They, they came to our president's council uh, and athletics directors meetings in June. And I think they're going to be uh, they will they will step up to the plate immediately and become uh, championship competitors in our league. Have you gotten any feedback from uh, you know I don't know if they call them donor groups or alumni groups? Um, any interaction with them and, and sort of their thoughts on their uh, being in the valley? It, it was interesting. I went over there about a week ago for a meeting with their athletics advisory board, which is a group of uh, of relatively really successful people nationally that come in a couple times a year. Uh, separate from their board of trustees, of course. And they had a vision for Valpo. They, they were extremely excited to be in the Missouri Valley Conference. They knew a lot about us. And I think that group is going to be very, very um, 
instrumental in moving the needle for, for Valpo in terms of facilities and support for for athletics for their athletics program. That seems to be one of the things that's come up when talking about Valpo is, you know, they've made the step that they've made the opportunity to upgrade their league. Um, and now they've, you know, heard it from media there and some of their uh, own administration about facilities. And I saw on, even on social media the other day that they're doing some stuff to their softball facility. Um, you, you foresee that they will uh, be thinking about getting the gears going in, in any facility upgrades in the future? I do. And I think they have a design plan already for an upgrade of their baseball st- field and base stadium. Uh, they are looking at the ARC, their, their uh, basketball facility. Um, I think they're going to invest in that uh, over time. Uh, it's not a requirement. It's not a mandate from our league. And the best thing about the ARC is that it's a great home court for Valparaiso. They, they draw extremely well. They have a rabid fan base. Uh, and I think I really believe that, that they have a vision for um, ramping up their athletics program and doing what they can to be competitive, maybe not in every sport, and I don't think any Valley school is competitive across the board. Uh, there is selective excellence in our, in our league, and, but I do think that they understand the importance of, of men's and women's basketball, and they're going uh, to certainly be competitive in, in many sports in our league. All right, well, this year is obviously a unique one, um, whereas we're celebrating 25 years of women's athletics. Um, of course, before we get to basketball, I want to touch on that because it's pretty special where uh, I talked to Patty uh, Viverito, Senior Associate Commissioner, about this at length a number of weeks ago, um, outlining some of the history of where we've been, um, how it came to be, the how it came to fruition of, of women's sports coming underneath the Valley umbrella. Um, and she, she mentioned a number of different stories that involve yourself, that involve Charlotte West, mm-hmm. you know, a number of administrators that – uh, were part of meetings, you know, different things of how it was going to work. Um, when you look back, what, what are some of the things that stand out to you about the, the history of women's athletics in our league? You know, w- the history of athletics in, in, among our member institutions goes way back, as it does for our men. It's really hard to believe in 2017 that 26 years ago, we were an all men, just a men's only league in the sports that we administered and, and as, as a conference office. Um, the merger with the Gateway, I think, was was overdue, probably, but it was a, it was an unusual time. Uh, Patty's the longest serving commissioner in Division One. That's that's pretty incredible when you think about that. She's been with serving current member institutions, I think, for 37 years. Um, she was um, obviously a very young person when she came <laughs> into the job, but I thought that I, I thought it strengthened both the men's programs and the women's programs to be under one administrative umbrella, under one brand. Uh, the Gateway was a pioneering league for women. Um, they they came into the league with a bang because right after they joined the league, Southwest Missouri State goes to a women's Final Four, um, the Medley Howard era down there, and. That, that certainly raised the profile immediately, not only of Southwest Missouri State, but of, uh, of, of the league. And that was at a time when, when we were beginning to become a power and as a mid-major power in men's basketball again. So uh, I, I, I look at the at, – we're sitting in our conference room with all the Hall of Fame plaques on the wall, and I'm looking at some of the great uh, females that are already enshrined in our Hall of Fame. And it's, it's really remarkable when you consider the achievements – the national champions in track and field, the Olympians, uh, the player of the year, the all-time career scoring leader in Jackie Stiles. Well, second now. Second yeah, now, in, indeed. Uh, but she, for many years, she was the NCAA yeah, scoring absolutely. leader. So yep. I just think it's, it's, a, it's a proud uh, celebration for the league. 
Uh, we're 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 going to do a couple of things to really emphasize that not only with our with our television in, uh, involvement, but uh, with a couple of special things that are going on at Anniversary Logo. Um, you know, promotional spots throughout our our telecast this year, and, and a lot of on campus things and special events we have planned around Hoops in the Heartland, our our women's tournament that's played in in the Quad Cities. When that process took place, you, you said you mentioned you know bringing the the Gateway joining forces and came, you know it it coming off with the bang with the Final Four for for the Lady Bears. When that happened, was there any sort of I don't know if struggle is the right word, but hesitation of that process coming through of the the women's sports joining the Valley? I think I think um, when we contemplated uh, merging Gateway with the Missouri Valley, I think there was some reluctance on, this, on the part of the women. I think they, they, the independence that they had in the AIAW and as a standalone league that had football uniquely uh, and women's sports together, um, I think it – I think they had fears that they would be not um, provided for appropriately, and I think we we changed our constitution. I think we were uh, we were progressive in that we created a structure that had our senior women administrators uh, having equal vote in our athletic administration matters, and I think there was some some concern that you might have. Uh, the two positions at institutions squaring off in the votes. But that really has never happened, although um, to the credit of the women, the great women that have been in leadership positions in our league, they have spoken up when, it, when the time came for, for positions they had on issues, and, and we've resolved those. So I, th- I think it's been, uh, you know, I, I've enjoyed the association that I've had with all of the senior women and female administrators that we've had in our league, including presidents, uh, I think this is a time when uh, everyone in early honors the achievements of, of those that have uh, already served and, and uh, competed in our league, and it's, it's, it's really a great time for ath- women's, women's athletics in our league. There's not a lot of leagues that can say they have a team in their membership with the Final Four, let alone two right, Final right. Four. Um, those accomplishments obviously stand you know, high. With, we've got our Women's Basketball Player of the Year honors named after one of the best all-time in Jackie Styles, as you mentioned. Um, when you look back amongst some of the athletic feats, um, those have to be two of the special, especially the year that yeah. the Lady Bears go to the Final Four, and it's hosted by the Missouri Valley Conference in 2001. Oh, that was that was incredible. And, you know, I happened to be, at, at the time, just a personal story, I was on the, the men's basketball committee. I was in San Antonio, and I went to a, a uh, sports bar along the Riverwalk with Bob Bowlesby, who was then um, – he may have been the AD at Iowa at the time. And we were watching Southwest Missouri State take down Duke. And I, I'll, I'll never forget the moment of, of seeing uh, when it was clear that, that Missouri State was going to win the game, of seeing the reaction of the Duke women on the bench. It was, it was a pretty special moment. Switching gears now, it's, it is basketball media days uh, coming up this week. Uh, a new season. We talked about Valparaiso, uh, Wichita State moving on. Uh, but uh, it's sort of – we've heard the coaches going back to the summer. They had their summer media call uh, saying that it's, it's now opportunity. You know, Barry Henson even, even said, you know, sort of the wild, wild west is what he called it. Uh, but when you look at this new season, it's a fresh start for a lot of coaches and, and student athletes out there. Um, your initial thought on what this season might, might entail for men's basketball? It's, it's a crucial year for us, Derek, in a lot of ways to, to uh, have a strong showing. Um, and, I, and I think 
you indicated that there would be greater competition. That's the case. And, and you know, in, in previous years, I think people were struggling, teams and programs were struggling to keep up with Wichita State's program and, and selected sports. Um, and I think when I went to, to Illinois State for the first and second round of the NIT at their place, I saw the kind of excitement uh, and the size of a crowd there that you, you rarely have seen in recent years. They are, you are going to see um, electric um, um, reaction to, to teams being in the, in the semifinals and championship game at our tournament, Arts Madness. I think you're going to see, uh, I, along with the, the women's tournament, you're going to see um, greater competition. I think it's going to help the growth of programs, and I think you're going to see programs that might not have been championship contenders in recent years, realizing that the brass ring is, is reachable, and I think it's going to really stimulate growth in our league. Scheduling, obviously, always a point of emphasis amongst men's basketball. Um, getting in those multi-team etern- uh, events around the holidays, you've mentioned that many times. Uh, I imagine that's still got to be a focal point in terms of uh, opportunities for our teams because, as you've mentioned before, uh, the chances of getting the at-large bids in the NCAA tournament, you know, it's, it seems like that pool might be shrinking and shrinking so that we've got to do our best to sort of make sure our teams have opportunities at the postseason. It, it, it has. It has gotten much tougher, Derek, to get an at-large bid. And I think in each of the last two years, conferences ranked outside the top eight have only total in, in total secured one at-large bid in each year. The, the fact that the Big Ten and the ACC and other major conferences are thinking about going to 20 regular season games is also going to shrink the pool of opportunities that are out there for teams and leagues like ours and, and peer leagues to, to get high major opponents, home or away. So I think non-conference um, scheduling has become the second most difficult part of, of being a head basketball coach. Winning on the road is difficult. Recruiting is difficult, of course. And I think scheduling, it's, it's, it's a science. You've got you've to determine uh, what level of opponent, strength of opponent your, your team can handle. You've got to try to win the majority of your non-conference games. And it's been a major focal point, as you said, for uh, not only our basketball coaches but administrators as well. These conferences thinking of are going to – uh, 20 conference games, is that sort of strike any fear into a commissioner of a non-BCS's league heart when you hear about, you know, Big Ten, Big 12, or whoever might be going to 20 conference games? Well, yeah, yes, it does, but they're not playing a lot of games against our teams anyway. And I think yeah. what really needs to be a focus for teams outside the top five or six is getting our better teams to play one another. Middle Tennessee State, um, you know, at Texas Arlington, um, teams in the West Coast Conference and the Atlantic 10, uh, they need to be playing each other, as, uh, our teams and, and each other, those kinds of programs that, that can contend that are top 100 RPI teams that have a tradition of, of winning their leagues or competing for championships in their league. Those are the kind of games that we need uh, to raise the, the profile and, raise the, and strengthen the resume of teams that can compete for at-large. And the Mountain West challenge for us is still intact. Uh, how many years remaining on, on that? We have uh, two more years. Uh, okay. This is the, the basically the seventh and eight years of a, of a challenge series. We had an interruption for a couple of years, but it's been important for both leagues. I think both of the all of the institutions in the Mountain West and Missouri Valley need to schedule each other. I think that's, a, that's something that even if we don't have a formal challenge in the years ahead uh, after 2019, I do think that we, we need to continue to pursue series with one another. 
and I think that's helped both conferences through the years. All right, it's a it's a bit of ways away, but it'll come up quickly. Um, we recently announced that the uh, men's basketball tournament at Scott Trade Center extended. Um, but even with that details, part of that due in the fact of the improvements being made to the building. Um, you recently had a chance to sort of tour. I know they've got the new video board up and running for the St. Louis Blues. We've seen that in action. But can you talk a little bit about what uh, that extension means and just how the building looks? Myself, I haven't seen it. So. Yeah, we, we, uh, we did extend the agreement with Scott Trade Center through 2020, and that, that'll mean 30 years for the league and, and a neutral site of St. Louis. Uh, I think that'll be 20, 26 years at, at that facility. 2030 in, in St. Louis in total. Um, it's remarkable what $64 million can do yeah. for a rehab of, a, of an uh, aging building. And uh, credit goes to um, ownership of the Blues, Tom Stillman, Alex Rodrigo, everybody over at the uh, Scott Trade Center who have uh, worked uh, their tails off to get that the funding in place and, and to move that project along. And I happen to be at my first uh, opportunity to go to the uh, Scott Trade Center was to see the uh, Chicago Blackhawks at, at the Blues the other night. Blues win 5-2, of course. And uh, it, it is tremendous, the upgrades in, in technology, uh, the, the video boards, the ribbon boards, the lighting, uh, the, 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 the ways that they can uh, emphasize parts of the arena and not others, uh, and, and the backstage areas. Our teams are going to go crazy when they see the locker room improvements and the hospitality areas are, are finished, remarkable, the, 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 uh, the class of those, uh, those areas. And I think that's going to not only help attendance but revenue generation for the Blues. And uh, couldn't be happier to know that, that there's now an emphasis on keeping that building uh, a state-of-the-art facility. And I think now I think there's no doubt that, that the Missouri Valley and the Sports Commission, St. Louis University, are going to be able to pursue – uh, NCAA championship yeah. events and bring more of them to the building. We have one in, of course, 2020 coming yeah. up. I was just going to – that popped in my head as you as you brought it up because getting those, those improvements done is key to getting those NCAA events, not just basketball, it's gymnastics that the sports commission brings, you know, it's potential hockey, things like that, on and on that could sort of uh, further the, it, enhance the playing field for the Scott Trade Center to get those events and attract them to St. Louis. So we've had the uh, event, of course, in Kansas City as well, but – uh, returning to St. Louis in 2020, I believe. I think that's right. Okay. Um, oh, final topic I want to ask you about is, uh, of course, one thing that's been in the news a lot and wanted to get your reaction on what you heard of it, of course, was the FBI investigation with the, uh, the college coaching scandal involving some uh, apparel companies. Um, Rick Pitino, obviously, has been one of the coaches that's been sort of heavily discussed. Uh, but for you, someone that's been involved in, in collegiate athletics for a number of years, uh, just your initial reaction when you first heard that news. Uh, I think it was even the day that we were at a sport, our sport management uh, meeting when that news yeah. broke. But uh, just uh, your reaction to that. Well, I, I, I'll say I've been involved in college athletics for over 40 years, and that, that was one of the most disturbing um, developments that, that I've experienced in the years I've been involved. And I don't think it, there was any, any great shock that there were coaches that were uh, violating NCAA rules and regulations. I do think there was uh, great surprise that uh, some of these are felonies and that they're, the, the charges are very serious. Um, they could go much broader than the, the institutions and, and individuals that have been uh, named already. Uh, and we're hoping that that isn't the case, that it is, it is contained among uh, the specific programs that have been named. But... Um, hopefully this can this can create um, 
uh, a lot of changes. We need, we need reform. Uh, the NCAA is obviously taking this very seriously with the Commission on College Basketball. Uh, Mark Emmert had a very strong statement. I think the NBA and the, the apparel companies are going to be aligned, understanding that we've got to clean this up and certainly take steps so that this kind of thing can't happen again. Do you have any thoughts on when you hear that? And these are a lot of high major programs that have been sort of named in, in what was announced. But, um, you know, Louisville, you know, let's let's throw it out there. Louisville is one of the ones named. And we had a team in the Final Four in Wichita State in 2013 go head-to-head with them. And obviously, you, you don't, we don't always hear that the recruiting playing fields even, even when you're talking high major in a non-BCS league like ours. But you don't harbor any resentment, obviously, to that. But – the level of the playing field is always one of those things where yeah. you talk about recruiting and the opportunities of what leads to on the court. Yeah, that's certainly one of the ways in which it's not a, a level uh, playing floor in Division One basketball. Uh, resources, uh, financial resources are, are there as well, visibility, television exposure. Uh, but the, the remarkable thing is that leagues like ours have always found a way to compete. Uh, the very no- notion that we've beaten Kansas three times in the NCAA tournament in the last 15 years is just unbelievable when you think about it. But, you know, I, I, I just hope that, um, that the, you know, this, this injures the perception, the public perception yeah. of the NCAA in and, and sports. And I, I can say this, for every bad apple in the barrel, so to speak, there are 99 good ones. And there are many, many more great stories out there about coaches and what they mean to student-athletes and the experience that they have playing sports uh, than the opposite. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to fix this problem and move on and, 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 um, and raise the, the perspective, uh, the perception of what college athletics is about. Well, let's end on a good note. Um, of course, I mentioned before, Media Day, October 24th, we'll announce a preseason poll and all-conference team. Anything in particular that you're excited for to see in a new season, a new basketball season, uh, with these opportunities that our teams have now? Well, I, th- I think uh, just having Valparaiso in the league is going to be fascinating. They're renewing rivalries with, uh, with some of their former Horizon League colleague institutions. Uh, they were in leagues with Missouri State and Indiana State in past years. Uh, that's certainly going to be of interest. Uh, I think the, the, uh, the fact that we were strong enough last year to get two bids in women's basketball, I think our women's basketball has balance, uh, certainly at the top, and we're going we're gonna to see – uh, I think we're going to c- continue to see the women's programs on an up- upward tra- trajectory as well. And I, you look at what's coming back on the on the men's side. Um, Alizé Johnson, to me, is an athlete like we haven't seen in our league maybe since the, the 1980s in terms of his ability, his size, his, his athleticism. Um, I know he's coming. He's working on uh, getting back from an injury in the preseason. But I do think that he's a special player. Uh, we, we have a first team preseason all-conference team that's largely it's, it's specifically all seniors and I, I think we're going to see balance and excitement and uh, I can't wait to see our teams coming into uh, Scott Trade Center in March. All right should be a fun one. Appreciate your time Commissioner. Thank you Derek. Appreciate it. This is Inside the Valley the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Conference. Celebrating 25 years of women's athletics.